0: Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the prophet Micah chapter 4, that's the Navi Micha, Perek Dalit, and this is Saul Weiner, the host for your podcast. In the last three chapters, we filled mostly with rebuke of the people and prediction of the oncoming destruction of Jerusalem and Israel and the exile that was to come. However, in this chapter, the prophet is going to talk about the ultimate end of days, the times of the Messiah, the days of redemption. So it'll be much more uplifting and much more optimistic and something to look forward to and a lot easier to read. However, he does also bounce a little back and forth between then and now, then and now, which we'll see in a moment. So let's start with verse 1. The the first several verses really speak for themselves. Uh, Don't need much commentary, but a little bit here and there, I will add a few points. And it will be in the end of days or in the days to come, the mountain upon which the house of God rests will be a, nahon means something that stands tall, something that stands strong upon the heights of the mountains, the tops of the mountains, and it shall be higher up than all of the high places of the world. Um, it, this, Presumably means metaphorically as opposed to literally as Jerusalem is not the highest mountain in the world But the highest in a spiritual and in the sense that the world looks up to it V'nuharu Allah amim and the nations or nations Many nations will stream towards it and come to it. This language is extremely familiar to us from the language that we had in Isaiah as well who described it similarly and the key here is, is that Micah is making a point that the nations of the world are going to all look to the mountain of God, to the temple of God, to God himself as a leader, a, a world with singular purpose. rabim, And many, many nations will go and they will say, Let us go and let us go up to the mountain of God. It will not just be a place for Israel, but it will be a place for many nations of the world to come. All of those nations that are willing to to um, humble themselves before God, be El Beisal yakov. Yaakov, let us go to the house of the God of Jacob. Because they recognize that the mission of the Jewish people, which always has been and always will be, to bring this message to the entire world, they... Um, they will they will learn and get that message and they will all join together in his worship. and when we go, he will teach us the the God will teach us the people of Jacob will teach us from his ways how to act how to live in and we will go in his paths and we will see. In the following chapters, what this means—the path of God, Kimitiyonte Te Torah—why should we go there? Because it is from Zion that Torah, that teaching, goes to the world, goes out to the world. and the word of God is coming from Jerusalem. Vishafat, and this means He, God, Ben Amim Rabim, He will judge between many nations. Now, on the surface, this means that he will judge the disputes. He will end the disputes between the nations. But it also means he will judge the many nations, which ones are unwilling to humble themselves before God, which ones retain their arrogance, and will not be part of this, the, the, the beautiful unified world that is to come, but that will have to suffer punishment because they refuse to... Um, to uh, join the rest of the world, shoulder to shoulder, but the simple meaning is that he will judge between the nations. and this certainly means, and he will, um, he will. Uh, I've seen the translation arbitrate that the JPS uses. Atsumim to all of the many, many, many large nations that even the distant ones all around the world. God will end their disputes. leitim. And since there's no more disputes, there's no more reason to fight, no more reason to have wars, so they can beat their swords, they can take their swords and make them into uh, plowshares, and their spears, they can use them into hooks that are used for, for pruning trees. No longer will they need weapons, they will just need tools to um, to uh, raise produce one nation will no longer raise a sword to the other nation below Od Muhammad there will be no longer any need to learn the the um the uh, the skills of war no and each man will be able to sit and and beneath his grapevine and underneath his fig tree and he will have nothing to be afraid of this reminds us of what Micah said in chapter 2 verse 2 where he said in the days of, of evil in the bad times in the times that Micah was speaking People were afraid in their own field because the, the wealthy, the powerful, would steal the fields away from others. They would see someone has a nice vineyard, they would figure out a way to steal it from them. But now, there is no fear anymore person can sit in his own field and enjoy the fruits of his labor without having to worry that it will be stolen from him. Why? Because it is the mouth of God that says this. It is God who put this prophecy in my mouth who told me this. Therefore, I can say with confidence that this is what will happen. And why is it? Why is it that the nations will come to learn from us? Micah is now about to answer. Why is it that they will come to Jerusalem? Why is it that they will now recognize the God of Jacob? Because, This is verse 5. Because now and for all of history, all of these nations are going, each one having his own God. Each the, This one worships this one This one worships that one And that leads to arguments Over my God is better than your God My ideas are better than your ideas My way of life is better than your way of life And that leads to war However, that when they learn in the future Of the singular one and only God we b'shem Adonai Eloheinu We will always go only By the name of the Lord our God there, and it is this that the people will recognize that this God is a God that is forever, that has always been and will always be, it will never change. And once they recognize this, and then the world will have one singular purpose, there will no longer be reason to fight with each other. Verse 6 Bayom Hahu on that day, this is again referring to the day in the future, so says God. So now the prophet is quoting God's words. I am going to gather all of the lame sheep, the sheep that have been scattered around the world, that are broken, broken legs, broken arms, limping. And those that the sheep that got lost and and are scattered around the world. I will gather all of them up. And those all of those to whom I have I have treated in a in a um in a uh, difficult way. People, all of those that that I've caused them to have so much suffering, God says, I'm going to gather all of them up and bring them all back. This is what God says. The 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 comparison between the people of Israel and sheep, especially specifically in reference to the uh, future times, is something that shows up many times throughout the Torah. I'm just going to quote one of the most famous in Isaiah, in Yeshayahu 40, um, chapter 40. Uh, when he's also talking about the time in the future uh, just, just like it, one, he, Isaiah compares God to a roe edro a shepherd of his flock he will pasture his flock and with his arm he will gather the lambs uh, and carry them and so on this, again over there we see the same kind of imagery of God gathering the lost sheep there's, some, there's other places, but I, I just uh, brought that one. Uh, and This is verse 7. I will have those that are lame, those that are broken, they will be the remnant. Here is God saying, the ones that will survive, the ones that I will gather, are the ones that, that were the broken ones. The ones that were at the bottom of the social classes. The ones that were hurt by everyone else. Those are the ones that I'm going to gather and they will be the remnant. The ones that were arrogant, the ones that oppressed others, they're not going to be among the remnant. They are going to be punished. And those that, that have been, um, been uh, um, uh, thrown out, those that have been rejected, they will become a powerful nation. And God will rule upon them on the mountain of Zion. From now. And this now here presumably means now, meaning the time that he's envisioning. And since he is envisioning that time in his mind, or rather in this this speech, in this prophecy, that is the now and forever for all time. And you, this is verse 8. So uh, we have a um, reference here to Migdal Eder. uh, And you, Migdal Eder. Now, we're familiar with uh, this this whole bunch of different translations for what Migdal Eder means. Uh, One translation is Migdal Eder, uh, and this is Rashi, looks at it as the Mm. strength of Israel. and that is um, the strength of Israel meaning uh, Migdal Eder Migdal meaning the strength another translation a way to look at it Rashi has a second understanding that it could be a reference to the Beit Hamigdash to the temple Um, the there's looks at this Migdal Eder and he translated as a reference to Jerusalem the city of Jerusalem the Radak looks at it as Migdal, meaning the tower of, of David, the tower of David, um, meaning the fortress of David that protected uh, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we also know Migdal Eder has a place. It's actually a place name which shows up in, in Genesis 35. Um, it's mentioned as a place name there. And also in the Mishnah, in Tractate Shekallim, it also refers to Migdal Eder as a place somewhere in the vicinity of Jerusalem. So, we can pick and choose whichever understanding you mean. If it is a place name, it's kind of odd as to why Michal would choose this place name. To choose Jerusalem or Zion, that makes sense. That's the capital. That's the city where the temple was and so on. But to choose a random place doesn't seem doesn't fit the, the context here that well. Um, you know, why pick that place over any other place? Uh, which is why all of those other um, uh, commentaries translate the words as opposed to using it as just a simple place name as a noun. So vi'ata and you the, migdal um, eder, the, uh, uh, the tower of, of, of Jerusalem, the, the, uh, which is how I'm going to translate it. Ofel Bastion. The Ofel is translated by most of the authorities as another word for, for, a, uh, for a strong, um, um, either like a watchtower or a tall fortress of sorts. Ofel Bastion, the fortress, I'll call it, of Bastion of the daughter of Zion. And so, so Micah, the prophet Micah, is now directing himself. So now you, Jerusalem, you, the temple, you, the fortress that protects the, the city of, of, of God, Adecha Teseh. It shall, and here's, um, it shall come to you. This is, this is very, um, it's an unusual language here, but the with the translation I'm going to use here, Adecha Teseh. Is is um, is is the 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 means uh, ad from the from the from the root word ayin which means unto you they shall come and it shall come that original kingdom that original kingdom that first was the kingdom that ruled you will come back to you you tower of zion mamlechet. A kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. And, uh, and the, the, um, so, so it, with these beautiful words, Micah is saying, yes, Jerusalem. And here the, I'm paraphrasing it myself after having given so many choices how to translate. This is the thrust of the pasuk, the thrust of the verse, what it means. And you, the beautiful tower of Jerusalem, the power and the glory of Zion, yes there will it will come back to you the people will come back to you and not only will the people come back to you but the kingdom the kingdom that ruled them the the kingdom of david will return to you jerusalem ata now let's go on to verse 9 and here there's many different explanations of this verse as well i'm just simply going to choose the evan ezra for this one and for the next one because Verse 9 and 10, because the Ebenezer is such a beautiful way of translating these words. So I'm gonna simply translate it the way he does. I'm gonna read the entire verse in Hebrew and then I'm going to read it with in the with with the Ebenezer's translation. The Ebenezer translates it as follows. And now Why are you screaming and crying so, so awfully, in such an awful, painful way? Is there no king? Are you screaming as if there is no king? Do you think you have no leader to turn to? Don't you know that God is with you? If you're crying this way now, and remember Micah is talking about now, time when the suffering, when the people are being evil and God is bringing suffering upon the people for it if you are acting in a way as if, you that your advisor, the one who you're supposed to learn from, meaning God is gone then I understand why you're crying and screaming in such painful agony like a woman in pain of labor if that's the case, God says, that's how the Ebenezer translates verse 9 And I'm going to continue with the in verse 10. If that's the case, then If you're crying as if I'm not here, when of course I am, of course you can come back to me now, but you're choosing not to. You're crying as if you have no one to cry to. Well, if that's the case, Go ahead and cry. Go ahead and scream in agony. Because now you are going to have to leave the capital you're going to have to leave the big city. and you're going to have to go out and live in the fields ad babel and you're going to end up wandering through the fields until you go all the way out into exile to babylon. however shom only there only once you get to babylon after you're there for a while then tinotsali then i will save you from there God says, I will save you. I will bring you back from Babylon. I will save you from the hands of your enemies. And now verse 11. um, And now. Now that you're 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 being chased out of your land and you're leaving, like I just said, there are many nations that are gathering around you. Just like I said in the beginning of this chapter, verses one and two, that many nations were going to gather around and come to you, and they're come to Jerusalem. They're gathering around now as well, but for a very very different reason. Now they're saying, let us go and gaze in a, in, a, in a derisive way. Let us look at them in a mocking way. And let us look at Zion. Let's put our eyes on Zion and watch as it gets destroyed and just enjoy how God is punishing them. However, those nations, they don't understand God's thoughts and God's ways. They think because they see them being punished that that their way of life is is ascendant, and the Jewish way of life and lessons are are being crushed and destroyed. They think that this indicates that they won, but they don't understand how God works. They don't understand the way God works. That and what does God do? In truth, when God is gathering them together. He is not gathering them together in such a way that um that that demonstrates that that God, the God of Israel, is dis, is destroyed or weak, but rather he is gathering them together because ultimately he's going to punish them for their behavior. And and he's, he's going to punish them for their behavior. He's gathering like an Amir Garna, like one gathers a a, a bundle of Of grain to the floor the threshing floor where it's about to be stomped upon it's about to be crushed and and the threshing is, is such a great example because the threshing floor is where one stomps upon the grain and gets rid of the stuff that is not needed and takes out the grains that they that we do want they don't understand that when that when God is sending the people into exile he's not doing them because they're lost because they're gone he's doing it because yes there's, there's a threshing, there's a destruction happening. However, those that are wanted in the end, those that are good, those that are humble, will be in the end be chosen and taken out. And those that are, are just the junk, the bad stuff, will be crushed. Kumi vadoshi bastion in verse 13. Micah now goes ahead after using that metaphor of the threshing floor. He now says, yes, Zion, get up, get up. He's looking to the future and saying, now it's time. He's looking to that future time when and when they're getting rescued from Babylon. They're coming back. He's saying, yes, now stand up strong. Stand up strong and go ahead and thresh, daughter of Zion. Go ahead and destroy those enemies that made you suffer. Ki <speaking in> barzel. <Hebrew> I am giving you horns. I'm giving you horns of iron. <speaking in Hebrew> I'm giving you strong hooves like hooves of copper. <speaking in Hebrew> Go ahead and crush all of those many nations that made you suffer. And I will, um, and I, says God, and this is is kind of interesting because it says I, because um, I will set aside to God the the spoils of that war. God is waging the war and he's setting aside the, the spoils for the glory of God. And all of their wealth of the nations that don't humble themselves in this time are, are going to be given over to the master of the entire world. Um, now, this next verse, verse 14, which is the last verse of the chapter, is extremely difficult to translate and understand. I am going to mention several. Different ways that it can be um, yeah, that it can be read. Uh, each one has uh, some very different meanings, but it's interesting nonetheless. So, verse fourteen, atot titgodei bat gedud. Now, these words titgodedi could mean one of two things. Gedud is also it could mean troops, like. Uh, uh, massive troops like god kidud we have in, in in genesis when it talks about the um the blessings that jacob gave to his son god meaning troops but it can also mean um gashing tearing yourself the flesh which was a practice that some did when they were uh, grieving and mourning so it's hard to know exactly what this means here. now And what is this now? Is this now meaning the time now, meaning in the future, meaning Mirka the prophet is talking about, he has this image in his mind and he's speaking about that time and he's saying now, or it could mean now, meaning now when the punishment is about to happen. So does it now mean the time of redemption or does now mean the time of the punishment? So, um, I'm going to go through several different ways to read this. The first one I'm going to read is the Ezra, because in this chapter, the Ezra has had such beautiful translations, which I've used in several verses before. I'm going to use it again. The Ezra looks at it as follows, that um, the Gidud is referring to troops, and he's saying Ata now, meaning... Um, Uh, meaning the time in the future, right? Okay, And he's saying, go ahead and gather around. He's looking at the time of future, and this is kind of a, in a mocking way. Go ahead and gather around all of your troops and soldiers, all of you. Motsor som go ahead and place a siege upon us. All of you, bashevet yaku all of you who went ahead and mocked us back then when we were running from Jerusalem at Tashofeh Israel those of you who took sticks and smacked in the face with sticks our leaders our judges go ahead go ahead and gather around and then the obvious conclusion to that is because let's you're going to see soon what's going to happen next which is going to be in chapter 5 that we are going to be redeemed and we're going to beat you so then you know we meaning the Jewish people and god so, Bat kedud is really is, is mocking them, saying, go ahead, gather around, and do that. That's how the Abanezer reads this verse. Other ways, um, the Mitsudos start, read it similar to the Abanezer, but he reads, Bat kedud means, go ahead, you people that are gathering around as troops, and tear yourselves, tear your flesh in mourning. Those of you who put a... a, a uh, a siege around us, and those of you who mocked our leaders by striking them as we were going into exile. Um, so it's similar, but a little bit different. Rashi actually learns that this Atta is talking about now, during this time when the when the Jews are going into exile, and the time of the destruction of, of Israel, the time when, when that's happening. And and ata means go to the They're saying yes. Now the Now the troops can gather around us. Now you can go ahead and place a siege us upon us. Now you can go ahead and strike our leaders, but not in that future day when it's going to happen. That's how Rashi learns this 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 pasuk. Um, so um, th- those are three ways to understand this verse. But the general sense of the chapter ends up. Is really the same no matter how we read this last pasuk and that is that yes now the nations are gathering around the people of Israel now the nations are gathering around and making the people of Israel suffer for what happened however once the after the exile there then God will save them God will bring them back and God will reestablish the kingdom of Israel which he is going to uh, begin the next chapter 5 with thank you so much for uh, studying chapter four together looking forward to studying chapter five together as well